you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL podcast. Eats hot dogs, drinks beers, and has gastrointestinal issues. Checks out. (laughs) Welcome to another edition of Around the NFL. My name is Dan Hansis. I got heroes up here virtually. Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler, and the man, the legend, Patrick Claibon. How is everybody? Good. Better than Colleen, I hope. <laughs> the question is, how are you, global traveler? That's the question. Hey, That's what we want to know. Listen, a lot of people are wondering, including my own family, why are, why did you take this um, mini trip in the middle of uh, a random week uh, to New York? And uh, I guess I'm loyal to the soil. And I felt the need to get home and and see some people I haven't seen in a while. And, uh, you know, it all took me. And one of the things about getting home, and it's great, you know, I got to go to the Yankee game and see my brother who works uh, at a bar next to the stadium. I got to go golfing with my uncle yesterday morning. I got to catch up with my sister. It was her birthday on Tuesday. And my parents just got back from their trip. So it's all really nice. And then it all kind of like the cherry on top was – I was down in Jersey on uh, Tuesday night, and I just bump into NFL history out of nowhere. Justin, do we have this shot? I'm at the Summit Elks, uh, incredible uh, establishment, watching the Knicks game and the Yankees game simultaneously in a beautiful place. And um, all of a sudden, I'm t- it's on the top two levels of this building in downtown Summit, beautiful, charming town. On the bottom floor is a restaurant, and then I'm told, you know what this restaurant is, Dan? And I'm like, what? Pull it up. It's for our YouTube right viewers. Oh, what a shot. Fiorini Ristorante. Oh. That is the restaurant where Derek Carr was told he could be a Hall of Famer with the New York Jets. <laughs> Pinch me. NFL history. I was literally sitting on top of it drinking Tito's. Um, so, yeah, that has kind of been a uh, – that was really the best part of the trip, realizing I was that close to football history uh, and didn't even know it. Did they do the thing where, like, the restaurant owner now has a framed photo of him and Derek Carr, uh, you know, that'll sit there for the next 25, 26 years? Right. Well, yeah, I was 
I was uh, giving my uh, dollar to the Elks upstairs, so I didn't go into the Italian restaurant. In fact, it was mm. closed when I came downstairs. Mm. But I imagine there's got to be a plaque or some type of national uh, historic monument documenting when history was made in our country. So that was cool. Go, so it's been a nice they trip. Go like full alternate timeline and just have like pictures of Derek Carr in a Jets jersey, like him holding the Lombardi trophy and handing it to Woody. It's like what could have been is when you go into Freezemo, right? This it's, this is where Joe Douglas said you could be a Hall of Famer on our team if we didn't prefer another guy who's actually a Hall of Famer and we're just gonna make you wait possibly months to for that to end to actually give you an answer on, on what's gonna happen. Yeah, I was talking to my buddy Howie, one of the good Howies, by the way, um, who was like, why do they even do that in retrospect? Uh, because they were never going to they were never <laughs> going to sign him. So, like, what what was the point of that? I guess oh, that if Rogers the backed out, they didn't yeah. know. They didn't know if Rogers when they got on that plane to California, it's Aaron Rodgers. They didn't know uh, for sure what he was going to do. But wasn't he already <laughs> signed with the Saints before any of that? Drama well, that's true. Out. He got sick of waiting. That's a good point. Yeah. But that More was logic the was dinner was before that. Yeah. You're Joe Douglas, and you just like with no questions asked, expense a fantastic Italian dinner. Uh, the Derek Carr part was just like this is how we paved the way to get into that restaurant. And like <laughs> you know, you had Nathaniel Hackett there, just like smiling to himself the whole time. The only guy that really knew what was happening. What a comeback for Nate! All right. Anyway, enough of Can't that. Very down. cool. I'm coming home tomorrow. Don't worry. And Mark. And I think Patrick, too. Um, it is May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. Live and long in, in love. I think that's what it is. Live, live long and prosper. That's what it is. Uh, Patrick knows that this is a, a, a long-running yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's... gag of Dan's to pretend that you know there's no way to discern between one uh, space fantasy and the next. Uh, I would say this. Uh, I don't agree with that tweet. You should read that. Patrick well, Clavon tweet flashed up this May 4th. Enjoy the fact that attack of the Clones is better than you remember. <laughs> that it was is. from four years ago. Yeah. And, and it's even more true now. Uh, enjoy. Enjoy the prequels. Everybody that's watching them today, because I know you're not watching the sequels. So I'll, they come in peace. I'll um, <laughs> I'll give um, I'll give a bonus point. I'll give my heart to anyone who knows what usually happens at this point of the podcast when Dan brings up May the Fourth. I add a little something extra, a little fact about this day as well. What fact Let's are you going to add? Yeah, that, that's what I want. I want the that fact. I was married on this day sixteen years ago too. So <laughs> oh, before before the May Fourthers took over and took took squatted on it. Well, happy anniversary. Then, yeah, I was going to yeah. say the branding is, is very new because now apparently if you look at the <laughs> certain calendars, the American calendar, every day is something, um, which is totally absurd. But this it, there, this is a little late to the party, and I think it's sort of a moneymaker. They've re-released Return of the Jedi, and you know that's just no. going to fill George Lucas's pockets with more um, dollar bills and $10 bills. Somebody told me there's a show on one of the streamers now that's about Princess Leia and Luke Skywalker as kids. I mean, how much no. more can we mine from this IP? No, that was um, not yeah, that to was get into it because you don't care. Yeah. But it was an Obi Wan Kenobi uh, series that included them when they were very young. But also, Dan, I, I have your trophy for not caring. It's it's actually <laughs> on the way. As soon as you get back to Los Angeles, you will get the trophy and the full like awards presentation for not caring. It's a tremendous accomplishment, and I can't believe that it has gone unrecognized for so long. Thank you, Dan. For not caring about Star Wars, truly. You're welcome, Patrick. And the one, the one last uh, element that usually happens, Greg, which I thought was what you were getting to, is 
Mark, usually after he gives me some grief for doing this over and over, he will then on slightly defensively say that the Phantom Menace sucked. That usually comes up yeah. that the 1999 movie was really bad. Yeah, well, I argue that like everything except the ones that I liked when I was a child are pretty much not my thing. But I know this is a tired trope at this point on this show. (laughs) I'm annoyed now. (laughs) Um, No, I enjoy it, boys. Um, We got a lot to get to. It is it is time. All the silly business. We need to transition to uh, going around the NFC. How annoying it was it, by the way, maybe for both you guys, but Mark definitely knew once you clocked that it was May 4th that I was going to do the Star Wars bit again. I mean, it's just by the nature that the show was scheduled today was an absolute home run that it would occur. Uh, yeah. you know. Like they took it off the board in, in Vegas. <laughs> I mean, we've did. been doing this show almost as long as I've been married. So we, we, you get the same jokes, the same things, the same bits. Yeah. Um, all right, we're going to get into it. We're going to go around the NFC, three minutes per team, uh, three timeouts. And uh, Gravedigger, can you jump in for a second? Gravedigger. Hey. I think, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why isn't your mini Titans helmet rotating behind you? What oh, is going no. on? Disaster. I told you the motor was being overtaxed. That's oh, ominous okay, for the Titans. In. Look at it move. Yeah. You really got to check out the YouTube channel. Now show, it's right? moving, yeah. This, if if, if this isn't move. an advertisement to subscribe to us on YouTube, I don't know what is. Claybon, do, do you agree that it's moving about 20% faster than you would anticipate? Yeah, it's spinning, like, frighteningly fast. Like, you want something <laughs> slow to reveal, like, the power of a Titan, but now it's kind of like, dee, 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 dee. but what we need is to just a couple fewer revolutions per second and uh, or per minute and we'll be good like if you threw like a tennis ball at it or something it would it would bounce off it with such fewer with <laughs> such force that it could like hurt somebody that's how fast that helmet rotates. yeah grave digger can you not control the is there not a switch to control the velocity maybe the the, the speed it with which it rotates no but it's like the faster i spin it when i'm setting it up the faster it will spin or i could just give it a very a very light push and it would go oh, much slower yeah. so so you can't really right push from here it's on just out. suspending between these two uh I guess it's like a, like a short Marcus Mario to pass it's just like one speed you know <laughs> how about a nice little uh, a nice little tap a little love tap mm-hmm. T- by the way Tannehill uh, spoke to the media yesterday and looked jacked he looked big yeah he's got something cooking I think he might have a little chip on the old shoulder himself and he said as much because he, he told the media hey man uh, this is like deja vu. This is the second time they try to get ri- get rid of me in two years with a kid. So we'll see. That might that be works. the most jacked uh, room in the league. There was a lot of theories going around that Will Levis was too jacked to be a quarterback. Yeah, it hurts his throwing. But anyway, Justin, I, I wanted to apologize because you do um, wield the trank gun uh, for right. this exercise, and I don't know if. Uh, it was effective. Uh, maybe we've developed rhino skin. So if you. You were given clearance to up the power of the trank, and mm. I think we're all going to try to be a little more respectful of the trank okay. t- today. I was wondering if my aim was off, and I was like just shooting but missing, and that's why it wasn't working, or I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, you hit me straight in the pupil, but I kept talking, so I think Dan's point is correct. We need to act as though there's some impact to the, to the weapon. As the dosage becomes more frequent, you adjust. You become more tolerant, and, and I think mm. that's the problem. We've been tranked so many times that you're going to have to yeah. really lay it into us. All right. It's almost at a, at a fatal strength right now, so just giving everyone a heads up, 
uh, to adhere to the rules. Let's get into it. Kick us off, Justin, starting the NFC East with the Dallas Cowboys. I'll get it going. All right, so Mazzy Smith, they add him on the interior. The theory is that that's going to help the pass rush, uh, which is a team strength. They identified their Dalton Schultz replacement in Michigan tight end Luke Schoonmaker. Um, they added Brandon Cooks and addressed uh, what was a, a need. Uh, I think everyone agreed, adding another playmaker. Um, C.D. Lamb said as much on our program, uh, Super Bowl week. Uh, so that that checks out as fine. Like when I did the power rankings, I have him ranked at six, and I was like, I didn't Ooh. feel great about it. But I don't know. I guess I put it this way, in a, in a wide open NFC, where do you guys see the Cowboys? Do they feel like a conference superpower? Or is conference superpower not a thing that truly exists in the NFC right now? You feel, guys feel good about the Cowboys entering a new season? I feel like their defense is absolutely loaded. Mozzie Smith helps with, with the run stopping, and they have one of the top quarterbacks in the conference, and so why wouldn't they be the favorites? I kind of look at it on paper, just paper. I'm starting to get that projected starter series going. On paper, I don't see huge weaknesses. I think they're the second-best team in the NFC, that the two best teams are, are in that division, and there's no reason other than they're the Dallas Cowboys that they won't be back like in the divisional round. I think it's just getting out of their own way. And, 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 you know, I think Dak Prescott quietly had some awesome football last season, uh, tucked in between kind of mind-blowing interceptions that caught a lot of Monday morning talking heads by storm. And so there's that narrative around him. And I think CeeDee Lamb has to at least agree that adding Cooks and getting the tight end, um, you're doing something for Dak. I don't know if it's enough. I don't know if he also needs excuses for his play left and right. They've had weapons around him almost his whole career. Um, I never really trust them. I just don't. But I would say this, that they're in a conference that's never really looked like this. And outside of the Eagles, like if they got on a super hot streak at the right time, and it kind of reminds me of like the Flacco-led Ravens kind of deal where like you just mow through teams, then the Super Bowl is a complete reality for them. Yeah, it, 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 and I don't know if it's McCarthy or, or what, but I get the, the feeling of the late stage with Rodgers Packers where we know they're going to be contenders. But, like, what's going to be the thing that causes this to fall off the edge? Brandon Cooks mm. was an absolute need. Uh, letting Amari walk for basically nothing and then not spending that money was a mistake. And, and I think that mistake has been acknowledged. Um, with Because Dan Quinn spent so long looking for, not just like, because no, everybody would like to have Micah Parsons, but they didn't have anybody on, on the edge in Atlanta. And I think they've, they're built around Parsons on that side of the ball. I think they're fine. It's It's purely just which way is the ball going to bounce? I think the Cowboys will be a contender, as I do think they will be for the next few years, as long as Dak's still their quarterback. On paper, I think their defense is maybe the best in the league. They're like four deep, even better than, the, you know, really anyone, four deep at defensive end and like seven deep in the secondary. I'd push back a little bit about Dak. It was less to me a media creation or and more. He really did struggle at times, a lot of turnovers. They need a kicker too, by the way. Go get Robbie Gold. Up next, the New York Giants with Mark Sessler. All right, Dan, I know you're on the East Coast visiting old school friends, and I talked to one of my oldest football friends, um, Matt Hogan, who listens to the show. He's been a Giants fan since, like, the late 1970s, and we kind of just talked about Brian Dable and, like, how much of a raging badass he was for that team after so many kind of vanilla head coaches. And so I guess, like, a, above the treetops type question is whether Dable, and I'll quote what Matt said, is, like, able to recreate 
the chemistry and magic from last season that got them to the playoffs. They let a bunch of guys go and brought in a lot of new guys. So it's a question as to how they're going to gel as a group. And I'll add my own thought. Like Daniel Jones, I think a year ago, could have been one of these quarterbacks that really complained about not having his fifth-year option picked up and gotten really annoying. Instead, he didn't. He just went out and produced like his best season. And a lot of that had to do with Dable. So I would just ask like from the Daniel Jones side, along with the chemistry of the team, like, is there a Josh or is there a, is there a Josh Allen like next level to Daniel Jones? Not the same mm. quarterback, but is there more to him that Dayball sees and thinks he can unlock? Um, or is he is who he is, but you just hope you roll with this fun attitude from a year ago? No, no, I, I don't think there's a secret Josh Allen uh, locked in, <laughs> inside of Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones can definitely be better. Uh, but when we're looking for like ascension to, oh my God, Daniel Jones is not going to like, there, there have been, we've already had several examples of these Josh Allen games where it's like, oh, this is simply, this team has Josh Allen, the other doesn't, and he's willing this team to victory. I don't think we're going to see that from Daniel Jones, but I think it's a fundamentally different scenario with, with the way that the Giants are going to approach things than if they had a, a world destroyer at quarterback. And Daniel Jones can do that. It's the question is, is the rest of the team good enough to do what, Daniel Jones needs them to do and and I definitely think there's there's improvement but it's 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 not all on it's not all, all on eight I, I just think it can't all be on Daniel Jones they, they also they one minute. I was gonna say they have it's gonna be different I mean they had a really nice season last year but it's gonna be more difficult I mean they're going to speaking of Josh Allen they're going to Buffalo this year um they get uh the Jets they get the Patriots uh they get the Seahawks uh, they have the 49ers on the road. They have the mm. Dolphins on the road. Uh, this is not an easy schedule compared to last year. And I know they added players um, on the offense, which they had to do after they gave all that money to Daniel Jones, which I thought was too much, but that's the way it played out. Um, but I don't know if uh, – I think they are a team that's primed for regression. Greg, I don't know what the desert is saying about their over-under right now, but I would probably bang the under. Um, it doesn't I, mean I, I agree. hate the Giants, but it's that's kind of where I come down on them. And they, I agree they're primed, but I do think their roster is way better. Joe Shane, I think, has done a good job. They don't really have a number one receiver, but they have like seven guys now that can actually play football. I think they have rookies that'll play. Uh, John Michael Schmidt will play. I think Jalen Hyatt might play as their third round pick. They, they're better. Two for two. Up next. Ranks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Up next, the defending conference champion, Philadelphia Eagles with Patrick Claybon. Yes, and the Eagles go more dogs again at this point. Like the meme doesn't even need to be addressed uh, that that how he's taken uh, guys like Jalen Carter. Um, they trade up uh, to get him. the The ultimate question is, as we saw a couple of years ago with the Forty Niners, um, deciding that they would go youth, they would go youth, and they bring in Javon Kinlaw. Um, they decide to let DeForest Buckner go to the Colts, and I think ultimately they paid for that. And the question for the Philadelphia Eagles is, after a season where it was Dallas and Philly, the defensive line, the front seven, were putting up numbers that were not close to anybody else in the league. Those two teams separated themselves. Um, Can they do that with more youth? And we've seen youth, especially youth from Georgia, for the second straight year um, without Hargrave. And I know it was one of the deepest defensive lines in all of football. They were incredible. Um, they got, of course, they, the Chiefs ran up and down the field against them. That's the Chiefs. It's Patrick Mahomes. Who cares? Like, you still got um, – I, I don't think the departure of Jonathan Gannon is, is going to mean much. I think Hargrave means more. And the question is, can the young dogs uh, do what the old dogs were doing? Uh, what, they were birds, but these guys are dogs. Anyway, 
can they duplicate that success? I think so because the old dogs are still there. Cox, you know, Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham kind of getting a victory lap year each. This feels like their last year. That just makes them so much safer. And then you have the guys in the middle of their career like Redick and Sweat. And then you have the young guys. Jordan Davis, no one's talking about. He's going to hopefully improve this year. They have guys like Milton Williams and, and Tui Peloto who are pretty good players who are now like second, third on the depth chart. I just love their commitment to it. Like if you want good lines, offensive line, defensive line, just throw massive resources into it every year. Draft picks, free agency. I don't care. Like there's a reason that their lines are so good every year. It's because they spend more money and more draft picks than any other team on it. And it works. It's like, that's to me, their secret sauce. And so you kind of have to do that every year. You have to keep bringing in new guys. And they did that. Yeah. I mean, I get like, I think it was a bit of a upset to get both Darius Slay and James Bradbury back um, to get Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith in the draft was an upset. They just keep kind of hitting home runs over and over. And, you know, there are other Cowboys in the division, but when you look at the NFC, they kind of give me like a 1989 Niners vibe, which I know he's always referenced that team, but it could be a relatively like dominant regular season where they just roll through like a angry asteroid in a, in a down NFC. And like, I, I do question a little bit when you lose both coordinators, um, what that means. Cause I think we don't know the impact of certain coordinators um, behind the scenes. And it's like, that's a lot of transition, but what team deals with the transition of coaches coming and going and players better than Howie Roseman and the Eagles. I just feel like they're so consistent. There aren't that many teams in the NFC like them right now. Two things can be true here. Uh, they are head and shoulders above the rest of the NFC, especially with the uncertainty of QB in San Francisco. And it's been 50 years from a team in the since a team in the NFC lost the Super Bowl and made it back to the big game. Hmm. Could there be a hangover? I don't know. You got to trank me. I, I got 12 seconds there. Twelve He's seconds. On his own supply right now. I just want to make sure you know we it's don't too much. Ruin, you know, derail the entire show with one trank dart. Uh, Greg, the Commanders. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the the top two picks to me were a little surprising. I honked about Emmanuel Forbes as a guy I loved and uh, body diversity, uh, so he went higher than I thought. Sixteenth overall ahead of Christian Gonzalez, and then you take. Uh, another defensive back, Jartavis Mar- Martin, uh, in the second round, who's like a nickelback safety type. And I was surprised and I thought about it, and I'm just thinking, like, this is Ron Rivera in his fourth season. And if Ron Rivera is going to go out, he's going to go out doing what he likes to do, which is defense. And you kind of look up and down this roster. There's not a lot of holes. There's not a lot of spots where you're like, this is amazing, but it looks like a roster that's won seven, seven and eight games over the last three years. That's what it is. There's not many problems other than the quarterback, but I think Rivera's kind of got everything he needs to have a pretty dominant defense, especially. That's fine. But like, I, I feel like because everyone loves Ron Rivera, the person that like another coach with this roster um, and would be getting killed for like the fifth year in a row of like the most conservative, safe, low, ex- low octane approach to the quarterback position around. Maybe Sam Howell can do it. We don't know. Everyone's like loving the like the four quarters he played against the Cowboys in the finale. But there's a lot of TBD there. And you got Jacoby Brissett, who I like, but it's like, where, what are we aiming for? Like, I, I agree the rest of the roster is kind of set up, but like, why ignore the most important position in today's NFL? It's one of the most dangerous um tropes i find in football is the out of contention team plays a young uh quarterback sometimes in the very last game and he plays okay to well 
and then all of a sudden there's this idea sometimes it's maybe one or two games or even three games that you kind of go all in and while I understand and believe on some level in the idea of knowing your roster better than anyone else. And really they are obviously quite fond of Sam Howell to give him this opportunity with Jake Brisket in the mix too. It is a huge risk. And I just don't think it really lowers the ceiling to me in terms of taking them seriously as a contender. I think the reason, and of course at the time, uh, because we were dealing with Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz, it was like, Oh, oh, Sam Howell is balling out. He completed 57% (laughs) of his passes in that game. And it, it, it was just, it felt different. And, and I think with the benefit of hindsight, we're, we're kind of looking back and like, wait a minute, was that good enough? Um, but we're going to get, we're going to get a chance. We're going to get a chance to see, you know, how Eric B draws this up. Like, is the offense going to look that much different? And if, if Sam Howell can play. And, and I think, you know, with, with between the and Rivera, there's enough trust to where if it doesn't work, it's not going to be because of the structure around. It's just going to be, Oh, Sam Howell is, is not it. And then we have an answer. Right, they're pretty deep at receiver. I like their backfield. O-line's okay. Like, Chase Young might be the fourth best defensive lineman on this team right now, which is kind of crazy. Like, there's reason for them to be excited. It's a better roster than the Giants. (laughs) Timeout. Um, Timeout. Before we take a break, just because I was curious, I checked out uh, our um, Vegas partner, BetMGM over-unders. We got the Eagles at 10 and a half, which is a little surprising to me. I may, I maybe would have popped them up in the, they have the Niners, Bengals and chiefs at 11 and a half. I would have definitely put the Eagles at 11 and a half. That surprised me. A I think bit, it's so. that schedule against the AFC East. And uh, is it the NFC West? They have the whole division has a brutal schedule and each other. Uh, they got Cowboys at nine and a half. <clears throat> what feels about right. They have the giants at eight and a half, which feels about right. I would, Bang the under, and uh, the commander is at six and a half. Whoa! Which given given that situation, like yeah, I would I would probably bang that uh, the under there too. Hmm. I like the commanders uh, over something about Ron Rivera. He gets to that seventh win. You can start two and five every year. He gets to that seventh or eighth win. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, let's take a break and we'll hit the NFC North. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps. In the Angie app or clicks on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie, too, for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, 
and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com or download the app today. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, hey, <laughs> hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know have to do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got him. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, welcome back. We are going around the NFC in 48 minutes. Let's start the clock, Gravedigger, and let's hit the NFC North and the Chicago Bears with Mark Sessler. All right, I think the Bears are slowly beginning to resemble actual Bears. Like, I kind of love that they added a massive human being at tackle in Darnell Wright. That was a need. Um, they found a kind of pair of front door-shaped defensive tackles in Gervon Dexter and Zach Pickens. And I think, you know, Ryan Pace, general manager, I think there's a real plan here. But I also, like, look at a roster that's dangerously thin at pass rusher, um, which is kind of weird when you're in year two of a regime under a defensive-minded coach in Matt Eberflus. Because I'd argue that Chicago's identity for most of us is really just based around the offense and the destiny of Justin Fields. And I, I could feel like if they grow, continue to grow, that you've got like OC Luke Getze taking head coach interview, like interviews a year from now and maybe departing. And so it's like I'd see this pressure point with an otherwise optimistic situation in Chicago. It's like, who is Matt Eberflutes? It's kind of how I felt about um, Zach in Cincinnati a couple years ago. Like, is he the guy for this rebuilding job? And if he's not, if he's not special, like, are they facing potentially massive transition like an offseason from now? I think if they get development from fields, it will cover up sins on the defense, <coughs> uh, for instance, and I think it will keep everyone safe. Maybe if things go outstandingly well, you lose your OC, but I think they. this is a team that now is building towards something that I think there's going to be expectations for the first time in a couple of years there. Uh, they're going to be expected to contend in what I think is kind of a milk toast division. Um, and if Fields does play at the level they believe he can play, and he now has a number one wide receiver in DJ Moore, I think they're going to be, you know, one of those teams like what on the list of who's the Jaguars this year. I think the Bears are absolutely mm. in the mix there. But you're right. That's a I would say I would be surprised if they don't find a veteran uh, pass rusher to address T-minus that side of it. 
Yeah, there's there's still plenty of time. Uh, and of course, like people are wondering why like guys like Ngakwe were still out there. Uh, there's a comp- compensatory pick type situation. You got to wait until after the draft, and then you can you can kind of sign guys and not have to risk uh, some compensatory picks. So I think they can go get a veteran. But in terms of like the rebuild situation, I, I think the way this team is structured, particularly like when you you look at them taking right, who of course like projection is always a thing, and, and we look at traits and but with like on the field. Darnell Wright's performance against uh, Will Anderson in that Alabama-Tennessee game was as good of a performance as a tackle had all season in all of college football. And so I think, like, you get solid players up front. And, like, the rebuild, let's say, like, Justin Fields is a total dumpster fire uh, this year. I I really don't think the Bears have that much farther to go considering Mm. where they were a couple of years ago. I think they've come a long way. I'm going to take a timeout for the hell of it. Give the Bears a little extra pop here. Uh... I was a little surprised, like by their picks. They remind me of the Saints in that I think they they have their board and they're just gonna go with that. And like, so they had a lot of defensive picks in the second and third round. Garon Dexter Sr., Zach Pickens, and and then their second round pick was uh, or one of their two second round picks was Tyreek Stevenson, the cornerback. They also took Brisker and Kyler Gordon last year, so they've early, so they've taken a lot of picks. Like Ibraflus, I'm with you, Mark. Like, show me something, because. You've taken about five second and third round picks in the last couple of years. You put a lot of money at off-ball linebacker. The receivers look a lot better to me. I think the offensive line, I think they've done a nice job for, through like two years of, of team building. And Tyler Scott, I, I mentioned from Cincinnati, was kind of one of those mid-round receivers I like that. I like I like their roster. I, I think the expectations should be high. I feel like we haven't said anything nice about the Bears in so long. Like they got a shot here. I like what you said, Greg. I would say if this were an actual football game and I was sitting in my cubicle, um, Kitty Corner from Greg's cubicle, he'd be going nuts that our team called two timeouts and essentially like the beginning of the second quarter here. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I'm going Very to Kyle Shanahan like by me. I'm gonna float. Um, I'm gonna put it out there. And by the way, they are a potential need to be included in hard knocks they're not covered uh the bears is a potential team of around the nfl this year okay it's a real uphill climb though isn't it for so we're the lions i mean the lions he means to pass the lions yeah Yeah. my heart's with the lions right now it really is i don't think i don't think anybody's gonna be able to get you guys off that like Mm. i i truly don't what will lions fans say if you go to a division rival for the team of atl Mm. this season it's true that's true. I don't know, Mark. I'm already off the lines. It was a great ride, and I, I hop off. That's that's it. That's how it works. Yeah, I think we'll we'll get to Detroit, but it's kind of like I. It's a bit perilous to just expect all the same good vibes all over again. All right, let's get to Detroit. Greg Rosenthal. <laughs> all right, F- forget you. Uh, forget you. <laughs> let's build. Let's build on what happened. Forget positional. Forget values. you. Hey, forget your consensus <laughs> grades. Uh, Draft Knicks. Uh, no team, I think, this offseason drafted more players more likely to play big snaps than the Detroit Lions. Maybe they're at non-premium positions, but Jack Campbell's got to play a lot, unfortunately, for Malcolm Rodriguez. Jameer Gibbs is going to play a lot. Sam Laporta is probably going to be their starting tight end. I love that dude. The Bengals admitted Laporta was at the top of their uh, tight end board along with Dalton Kincaid. They were maybe going to take him. Brian Branch at safety was a great pick. So those four guys are going to play. You have a developmental quarterback in Hendon Hooker. Like That's four quality players added to a really talented team that's good up front like I, I'm buying I'm buying that this thing continues and it continues and that they're like a decent sized favorite in this division what say you 
the Vegas uh, people, the desert people, have them easily a favorite at nine and a half. Okay, um, good. Like that's that. about right. I think they're sealing. I think they can win double wins. But the the question I have that kind of people aren't talking about as much, and I know they went and added uh, Gibbs, obviously surprisingly, and remade the running back room. Um, and you're eventually going to get uh, Jamison Williams back. And is that offense going to take a step back? I think they were third uh, in um, many uh, – I forget what the metrics is, but they were top three offense in, by many uh, metrics last season. Is Are they going to take a step back with Goff? I could see it. I, I, don't, I don't have any hard data to back it up, but are they going to keep going in that direction? I don't know. Well, Goff I mean, is one of those quarterbacks where, like – you're going to get peaks and valleys and it's in, it's sort of inevitable that you'd question if next year is going to look like last season. I think that's really fair. And like that Brad Holmes who has talked about the idea that they might um, sign him to an extension. There is belief in him. I don't know. Hennon hooker's an older quarterback. When do you want to see him as well? But I, you know, like maybe Greg, we might be a little down on doing the lions again as team of ATL, but I, I do think that they're like Chicago, their stock they, they've got, they have a lot of made a lot of picks and I think that they develop players really well. Like there is it's some a multi-year sort of like, journey. I feel like we're on yeah. with this team now. Let's take advantage of uh, the excitement. Let's not jump off. And let's, All say, right, let's we'll say the the offense does fall off. Like they're not a top five, top three offense. If they're still top ten, I, I think that's a really good football team. The, the, down the stretch, uh, they really had some problems down the middle. Uh, the Panthers absolutely exposed them uh, in that game in Charlotte late in the season. Uh, the the question is, can they stop those things? I think Jared Goff's going to give you Jared Goff. Like, you're going to get the success that you had from the offense, especially if Gibbs comes in and he plays all the snaps that maybe Swift missed in that last season. I think I think the offense will be fine. The defense is the concern. Five, four, I, I should be the team three, three, I want to lead a bandwagon. I don't want one that's filled with people. But we were, he- we were first. But, yeah, it yeah, was your it, bandwagon. It. You made yeah. it. Yeah, so why don't we do it again? Like, let's climb the mountain again with somebody else. Get on a new it's bandwagon. Just, but it was... It was satisfying how it ended against the Packers. <laughs> oh, that feels that feels amazing. Oh God, so many things in a system through the years. It's a, a toxic stew. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the Green Bay Packers <laughs> and Patrick Claibon. Yes, and it's over. Aaron Rodgers is now a Jet. And the best case scenario for Packers fans could be the Jets winning the Super Bowl and getting a first round pick for Aaron Rodgers. Um, but ultimately, I, I think the biggest question is, can these young Packers uh, who haven't been, who haven't been playing and not just Jordan Love, like you, you talk about Devontae Wyatt, uh, guys on the defensive line. What is their future going to look like when they're on the field more and more often? I know that there are some cap concerns and not the Packers aren't necessarily able to throw money uh, at some of these undrafted free agents like the Minnesota Vikings are. Um, and so my big the, the most confusing thing was Jordan Love and this recent deal. I felt like there was more money available for him. Now, this could be him betting on himself three years down the road. And if Jordan Love feels comfortable with that, then maybe I feel a little bit better about the Green Bay. He's Packers betting against he himself. The The details that came out on yeah, uh, Thursday good. were crazy. It means if he does well, he's like locked in at a low salary. And if he doesn't do well, he's going to make Jacoby Brissett money. So it was a weird it was a weird thing. Very what weird. There's like what if there's a universe we live in? Um, and this is a cynical thought that, Dan, I don't want to annoy you with, but like we all think it's going to go a certain way, but what if Jordan Love, um, in a Geno Smith-esque fashion, becomes like the next really solid to great 
Packers quarterback while Aaron Rodgers um, gets Nathaniel Hackett in New York, and that thing goes totally off the rails, and Nathaniel Hackett's teaching kindergarten a year from now. I'm just saying, like, it seems so unpredictable, but it's like the Packers remind me of last year's Seahawks where maybe you come out on top of all this. I, I'm optimistic about Love. Yeah, he could be he could be good, and I don't, I don't think that would be like uh, I'm not going to be upset if Jordan Love does well for the Packers. I, and <laughs> like also, Aaron Rodgers thrived with uh, with uh, Hackett in Green Bay, so I'm not really worried about that either. I, I think he could certainly be um, a good player. They've organizationally, I know it's different leadership now than it was when Rodgers and Favre entered the fray, but they they deserve the benefit of the doubt. I guess my question, I would frame it this way, like. Greg, like what defines success for the Green Bay Packers in 2023? Because to me, it's different. It's not what it was with Rodgers where it was Super Bowl or bust. If Jordan Love looks like the quarterback of the future and their offense is good. And if you can go win the division or have a winning record, all the better. But they're so young that they have a chance here with Watson, Dubs, um, Jaden Reed, who they just drafted, and then the two tight ends, Musgrave and Kraft. And they're pretty young in the offensive line, relatively other back there. If it hits, this team could be set up together for a long time. Like, the upside is very high because they're so young. But also, with the Hall of Fame quarterback, granted, there was the thumb injury, but they lost in the last game of the season at home to the Detroit Lions. So, like, expectations, maybe let's, let's be a little more realistic. The Minnesota Vikings. Let's stick with a little quarterback talk. Is this the beginning of the end of the Kirk Cousins? Era And what an interesting era it's been. I was looking at his pro football reference page. He has now played five years in Minnesota. This will be a six year, so he'll match how long he was with Washington. Wow. And we've talked about it a lot. I feel like we talk about it every summer. His, his numbers are off the charts, even though he didn't have a great year last year. Um, over his 17 game average in Minnesota is 4,500 yards, 33 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Um, a passer rating, you know, hovering around 100. I mean, it's everything you want. They've been to the playoffs twice. They won one playoff game in that time. Uh, obviously, thir- they were a 500 team until last year's bizarre 13-4 and four that ended with a very like, oh, yeah, that's what we thought, playoff loss to the Giants. So I'm, I'm curious if Cousins, if this is the end, can he, can he save himself? And I don't think he can in Minnesota unless – he has like a Favre year after Jordan Love got drafted where he really balls out at an MVP-type level. Otherwise, I think they reset. Nick Mullins is also a free agent after this year. They'll have a clean break at QB. I mm. thought they were like a, a real um, solid candidate to take a quarterback this year. And, 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 you know, next year's draft has some treats in it as well. And, like, it feels like if you're Kevin O'Connell, um, it is a massive year to find out what you really think about Kirk Cousins and what he can be because, like, do you tie your – um, coaching future to him or not. Because I think if you're Kevin O'Connell and you've had success, like a rookie just gives you a whole new lease on life and a couple seasons to develop said rookie and people want to have, have patience around that to some degree. I mean, what can help Kirk Cousins more though than Brian Flores who looms as like a coaching, assistant coach of the year type candidate with the worst defense in the league that, you know, they've added a few pieces, but just it's going to be a better unit in general. I mean, they won all those games in the last minute, so maybe that doesn't change the regular season win total. But that that unit not being a comprehensive apocalyptic disaster would help a lot for Kirk Cousins in the offense. They certainly got younger on the defensive side of the ball. I think for Kevin O'Connell, though, when he had that success in year one, perhaps he doesn't necessarily need the rookie quarterback 
I'll call it excuse. Like we have to develop this guy. And and so like there can be a down year in the middle because everybody will go back to the way it started. I think Kevin O'Connell will be just fine um, after this season. If, if let's say things go horribly wrong, if the one score results flip and the Vikings uh, don't finish with nine wins or eight wins or even seven, uh, I, I think he can be just fine. Um, I, 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 I worry so. about their defense, the defensive backfield, the sec, the cornerback position is one of the worst in the league. You're asking a lot uh, out of Flores. I, I, Cousins is also going to be 35. We expect quarterback like don't get old anymore, but he did, I think, have his worst season in Minnesota last year. So that that's a big concern. Those two things together. Flores, but I do love yeah. the Addison. Flores does. Flores doesn't have a lot to work with, but it can't be much worse than they were. No. Yeah, it was bad. Oh, get out of here with that! I duck. It's the playoffs. Let him play. Caught me. Um, all right, let's take a break. And then when we uh, return, the NFC South. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, we are back. We are halfway home we move to the south and the frisky atlanta falcons with patrick claybon absolutely and so they uh, we talked about positional value with the detroit lions and uh of course there was consternation when the best running back on the board i think that was consensus Bizon robinson goes off uh in the top 10 to atlanta he's already going to wear number seven which of course invokes a lot of feeling and emotion uh from people in atlanta mm. the number is mm. kind of I sacrosanct didn't know that. Uh, uh, for 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 folks who you know watch football 
in the South for a long time. And so they're, they're going to be going. Uh, and there's enough talent around Desmond Ritter uh, that – that they can do something. I don't think the question is necessarily about Desmond Ritter. I'm looking over on the other side. They get Matthew Bergeron in the second round, a solid tackle. Zach Harrison is kind of a traits guy, like a height, weight, speed guy that didn't necessarily have the production at Ohio State. He was a five-star guy. And they make additions in the secondary of, well, of course, there's the trade. So I think Terry Fontenot has been active, but can this Falcons defense provide – enough for people to feel good about the offense because we know what they're going to do but if if it's not translating to wins and losses then i think we're going to feel a different way about arthur smith and this offense and desmond ritter as well they got better up front like anyamata and Clyde gamble with 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 uh, grady jarrett so they're they're definitely better on the back end with jesse bates they, they bring in akuda they, they draft clark phillips like but it's the jets thing that this has replaced John Abraham as the Falcons haven't had an edge rusher since I don't even know who was the last Falcons edge rusher. They have no one still. It's Bud Dupree and Lorenzo dude, Carter. Dude, it's John Abraham. It was John Abraham. Mind blown. It was John Abraham. They also don't have any receivers. So Vic like Beasley had like a 16 sack season. Yeah, but okay. Vic that one season aberration. From Vic they, they have the worst yeah. two, three receiver combo too. this side of Tennessee, Mac Hollins and. I don't even know who their third receiver. It could be Scotty Miller. Who knows? I, I want to throw one thing out. I did hear a little buzz T-minus of Tannehill, but they still might want Tannehill. That this, that they, that, I don't know if it's both ways, but that they might still want Tannehill. How about this? A, yeah. Go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, there's also there's a report out there that the Titans have looked at Tannehill as someone that they might bench for Will Levis if they get off to a rough start. So if that's the feeling around Tannehill, it's like they would be willing to part with him if Atlanta came with a heat-seeking offer. I mean, how about this? I'll lay it out there. If they make the move for Tannehill, we we turn that bandwagon into a tank and we gas it up with diesel fuel and the Falcons are the team of around the NFL. I need them to bring in Tannehill, but I love that team with a veteran presence, a quarterback mm. with some past history. You would have my co-sign well. immediately on that. And I also think like one thing that might help the defense is like they're building an offense that could have like 15 play... 12-minute drives here and there. I mean, they're, they're They could set a record school. for rushing. Right. They really could. That's fun, Greggy. The Carolina Panthers with Mark Sessler. I love Dan's uh, new-look concepts about Atlanta. That's, that's exciting to me. Um, the Panthers could use more <laughs> pass rushing help. Um, you so guys am, were like, premature to the dance. I, I am here where, no, where I think we you, should have been here. You, you asked us to be visionary. I think we, were, we saw the makings of, and now we're, uh, we're on the doorstep here. I do wonder if the Panthers, like, you know, they could use a, a pass rusher, absolutely. And, like, to your point, Patrick, before, that there are still guys sitting out there like Ngakwe, um, Leonard Floyd is out there. Um, but in general, and I know this has sort of been said, but I, I really think it's true that this is a great place for a rookie quarterback compared to like where Sam Darnold went a couple of years ago. It's like, usually you're showing up into a war scene. And I mean, I'm a little concerned about their wideouts, but then you hear like Frank Reich talking about um, Jonathan Mingo, the second rounder. I, it just seems like he's a perfect scheme fit. So there's a little bit of a TBD factor with that part, but I, I like the O-line and it's, you know, this team nearly won this division a year ago. And I just wonder if they are, Maybe a little bit of a sleeping giant if Bryce Young um, was what we think he can be out of the gate, um, or are they just a normal size sleeping bean? Yeah, it, it, I feel like it's asking a lot. 
uh, looking at you know Mingo um, coming in, considering what what Bryce has played with uh, in the past. I mean, we're waiting. We're still waiting to see what, what John Mechie is able to do in Houston. Uh, but but considering like the the talent and in, in the type of offense that uh, that they that they've had in the past, I, I think it's a lot uh, to ask for this current receiving group. You know, you, you would like to have DJ Moore, but you you know that's the only way you get Bryce Young in the first place, right? And so it's it it feels like a, a big ask. I think Bryce is going to be fine, but you you do need that guy. Like you, you need a guy that can consistently get open, and I don't know who it is for the Carolina Panthers right they now. They have yeah, four guys of... at least. It's not like they don't have any guys. They have Thielen, they have Mingo, they have uh, DJ Chark, and they have Terrace Marshall. I'm just saying, like compared to the the Falcons or the Titans, they have four guys who can play football. I think at the NFL level, I think there's a, <laughs> it's a low bar. They can play football. I like the Miles Sanders move uh, with Hubbard. Um, I think Hayden Hurst is a bit of an underrated talent at tight end, even though he's a first round pick. He's settled in as a solid pass catching tight end. I think they do need Mingo to give him something year one out of the gate. And they they gave Thielen a decent amount of money. They need Thielen to show he's got some gas in the tank. Otherwise, yeah, I think they're, he's in a better position young uh, than Stroud is in Houston right now. Uh, but it's a question mark. I agree with that. I, I want, I'm curious to how the the old pieces for the last Panthers defense fit with Ajiro Evero's defense because it's like a 3-4 defense, and they've got talent, but you mentioned Brian Burns is coming off a major injury, might not be ready. Like, there's not much edge rushing. It, some of the pieces fit a little weird, and so their their defense might take a step back. Said all that needed to be said. The New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints. They go defense, uh, defense, defense at the top of the draft with Brian Brees and Foskey, uh, DT, and the defensive end. First two rounds. Then they get some necessary Alvin Kamara protection with third-round pick Kendra Miller out of TCU. I think there's no doubting that Chris Olave is a stud who can enter superstar territory in year two. Michael Thomas is a huge question mark, and they're penciling him in and hoping he's going to finally stay healthy. We'll see. They're putting a lot of eggs in the Juwan Johnson basket at tight end, um, uh, and they made a trade. Uh, Adam Troutman was traded to the Broncos. <clears throat> Foster Moreau was on their radar, and then he got sick, so he they really do need that tight end position to shake out. My question is with Derek Carr there, uh, I know the NFC is not – great shakes right now. So you don't need to have an elite offense and tons of weapons, but with cars, the QB, is this enough to be a functional or better than average offense? Or does it smell like an average type unit to you? Mm. I think it's a good offense. Potentially. I, yeah. I think it's the strength of their team. Now their, their offensive line freaks me out. Cause like almost everyone on that offensive line has some sort of injury concern. They have a lot of continuity, but if everyone's healthy, like, I'm more more worried about the defense taking a step back, that, and I think they had to invest in the defense, and I think their picks were normal, which is rare for the Saints on defense, and I, and I liked them. Uh, they were going to take Mingo, according to Saints uh, Twitter podcast. They had pretty strong reporting saying, like, Mingo was their pick, uh, and then their division rival took him, but they got Foskey and said, but so I'm a little worried that the, the offense will be good, but if the defense is just mediocre, like, that's not how this team is built. I think yeah, Derek Carr's like under – oh, go ahead, Patrick. No, any any aging defense, right? When you go up the middle, uh, you got Cam and then Demario and and then uh, Tyron, right? There's concerns mm. for like how this team is going to. But if those guys are able to stay all season and play, I, I think they could be successful. I think they're going to be a contender. Is the question like, is Derek Carr a significant grade over Andy Dalton? I think that answer is yes. And, and I think that equals wins. That, well, that was going to be my 
my comment though like i think he is on paper an upgrade over andy dalton but andy dalton was like a, a met like a flaming metric starling last year and played pretty well for them it wasn't like they had terrible quarterback play so i guess you got to go in and number one be as good as andy dalton was last year which i think is possible but like Derek carr is coming off a pretty terrible campaign and the other thing that i used to always have hope in with the saints was no matter who you put on the field like your coaching staff was going to make that thing singing. They were going to be there in December and January. It's like Dennis Allen is like probably for me, like top five, least interesting special coaches in the league. And like, I don't know, it just sort of feels like they're um, rolling down the hill in neutral right now a little bit with all, with all the big positions. Hey, downhill's good though. I, I should mention Taysom Hill. Also, he's not doing the QB packages too much anymore. I wouldn't think with Carr there. So he's a tight end option. He did some things last year. And finally, Mark said flaming metrics, darling. I love it. You like was. <laughs> that would be a that's a good fantasy team name for people looking, looking to get it out there. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree right. though um, that like he was like PFF just nope. loved nope. him to the end nope. of time. Nope. I dodged that. Do you want to? Do you want it? You can. We got one more. But it's up to you. No. All right. He just took the tranks. That means the conversation's over, Mark. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Greg Rosenthal. This is a truly bizarre roster. It looks like a roster where uh, you suddenly got Tom Brady and then you built a team around Tom Brady and everything Tom Brady wanted, and then Tom Brady is no longer there. So that's I guess that's why it's a bizarre-looking roster. It's very thin, but there's actually still good players on it. It They seem very focused on defense, though. They, they took uh, Kalijah Kansi in the first round, Yaya Diaby, an edge rusher in the third. It's like... This defense needs to be better, Todd Bowles, for you to kind of justify everything going into this defense because the offense ain't going to be good with, with Baker Mayfield as your quarterback or or uh, Kyle Trask as your quarterback. I mean, the only thing, though, is like the, the one thing I've been thinking about Baker Mayfield is like I agree. He's like you keep thinking like they must have have another plan still at that position, and, and, and maybe they don't. Um, but but how frustrating – I know it's Tom Brady and there's no comp between any quarterback and Tom Brady, but that was one of the, le- like the least watchable, most frustrating attacks league-wide a year ago. So it's like maybe there is a way for them to simply not be that. But I am a little concerned. Mm. Like when I see new Or it could callers, be worse. It could be worse right. because the one thing that stands <laughs> out to me is like you hired – is it Dave Canale is your offensive coordinator who in his intro presser um, acknowledged that he's never called plays – at the NFL level, obviously, but or even in college. And like the studies on guys jumping into that for the first time. And I mean, unless you got Bruce Arians in your ear somewhere from another part of the building, like those guys struggle because you're put into situations you've literally never been in. And like the pressure, the volume couldn't be turned up higher. And so there's an implosion factor there with that whole side of the ball. We brought it up with uh, when he had his moments. And there's something about Baker that he has just this like juice that, does draw people toward him. And I think sometimes it, it it can obscure vision on things. Like if he wasn't Baker and his production was what it was, I don't think the Bucks are going into the season with him and Kyle Trask. In fact, to go through eight draft picks and not address quarterback was one of the more surprising draft decisions any team made. I, I have him at 29th and 29th in the power rankings. Cause like you're saying, Greg, I see kind of a weird aging, but also unsure where it's going team without uh, a quarterback yeah like the the circumstance of trying to contend 
and a few of those guys still being on the roster, it felt like, okay, well, well, maybe they can go get somebody. And then the, the somebody that they get is Baker Mayfield. And you just wonder, like, clearly Baker can deal with turnover. He can deal with different guys in his ear. But there's so much that there's so many things that can go wrong. But I think uh, maybe we were obscured that the fact that it was Tom Brady and it was bad. I, I think it's going to be difficult for them to be significantly worse mm. on offense than they were last year. It, it was just like because it was 12, it was oh you know they'll they'll be back. They won that game against the Seahawks, and, and I thought firmly, oh Tom's going to win another Super Bowl. I'm going to hate my life, but it didn't happen. Mm. All right, final division, the NFC West, starting with Pat Claibon. People don't call him Pat. Never heard Pat. Are you okay it's with happened. Pat? Does that bother you, Pat? No, I, I prefer uh, Ernest and Patience. Put put Patrick on the old birth yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go it's with a good that. strong name, Patrick Claybon. I, I, I trust their judgment. Um, uh, the Cardinals. Yeah, let's talk about the, the Arizona Cardinals. A lot of turnover, and so Monty Austin Fort comes in. Jonathan Gannon comes in. Uh, they're able to bring one tackle back. They get Paris uh, in the first round, and I think at a good value. They traded out of that pick. Uh, once the the Casario uh, maneuvering happened at the top of the draft, and I, I think that was a good uh, play for both teams, uh, considering what was on the board. The question is, because uh, the Arizona Cardinals, looking at things, if Kyler does not play, uh, could be, on paper, one of the worst teams in the NFL. And because of that trade, uh, they could be looking at two very early picks. And so, ultimately, are we even looking at the 2023 Arizona Cardinals as anything at all or is it all about 2024 because when i peruse the cardinals materials and the things the fans are talking about they're not even concerned about 23 it's just thinking <laughs> about the possibility of what could happen in 24 i love i love this question because i am optimistic about this team now where you know before the draft and before a couple of months ago it was like this just the energy is so poor here but i think they got rid of a lot of the bad energy characters and now you're looking at two firsts a second three thirds two-fourths, two-fifths, and a seventh in next, in next year's draft. I mean, you can do anything. You can reorganize who you are as a team completely. So it is the one team that stands out there where it's like, yeah, you know, if you're a season ticket holder, go drink a bunch of beer, buy some popcorn, but wait for the results to come a year from now because they aren't coming this time around. Yeah, mm. if, I'm, if I'm the Cardinals, uh, and take your time, Kyler Murray. Like, we don't need to have some miraculous Adrian Peterson recovery here. And I know that's not what anybody wants to hear. And if you're a Kyler Murray fan, you want to see your favorite player as soon as possible. But this is a team that sets up very well as a preseason darling next year um, if things break a certain way. And, and most importantly, Murray is himself and healthy 100%. Uh, so it is patience. And yeah, if the fan base is down with that, that's even better because you don't have to worry about that pressure. I kind of can't believe that Colt McCoy would be their week one starter, though, just because of... I mean, he had another concussion last year. He had injury. This I don't want to see it for him. And you certainly, I don't think can expect him to play sixteen games. Teddy Bridgewater is still out there. Um, the tank is know. on, Greggy. I think that to set them up, they want the highest possible. So does pick. Kyler Murray not play then this season? I think, I think that's, that's possible. Very, that's a possibility. It, it's still hard in the NFL to tank because yes, they look pretty bad. Like I deserve combat pay for trying to do their front seven uh, on projected starters. <laughs> I have no idea who's in their front seven, but they do have like good tackles. They're pretty deep at wide receiver. Like the NFL, like there, this isn't like the SEC where they're Vanderbilt. The, they could easily stumble into six wins somehow because it's just like I don't know. Terrible QB play is kind of the fail safe to make sure you keep that 
Yeah, but but is Kyler gonna sit out so that they can draft Caleb Williams number one overall? Like, is, is that something he's gonna do? I think that's juicy. <laughs> and therein lies the rub of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the L.A. Rams, Greg Rosenthal. I am kind of fascinated to see about what happens with this team. This is a truly bizarre experiment they are going on. They drafted 14 players. Then they signed 24 undrafted free agents. For, for comparison, like the Giants signed nine. The, the usual numbers, you know, nine, 10, 11. They signed 24. So they have 38 rookies currently on their roster. Over 40% of their roster right now are rookies. And looking at their depth chart, a lot of them have opportunities to play. Like probably five or six of them just because of the numbers will wind up being starters because their whole defense on paper has Aaron Donald and even a worse roster than the Cardinals. I would say like the most questionable defensive roster in the league. I just, it's funny how hard they pivoted from the win now thing to we have 40% of our roster with rookies. I am kind of interested because it's not a crazy idea. Bring in 24 rookies. Like if eight hit, hell, we got an amazing rookie class. Even Teams if five have been saying hit, that for a hundred years though. Yeah, but they've never done it in this number. This is truly yeah. record-breaking numbers. F them picks, the reverse. <laughs> I think the thing that stands out that doesn't fit with what they're doing is like, are you putting Matthew Stafford through this if it goes really poorly out of the gate? And I, there's just the part of me that feels like, yet, you know what? If you want to reboot and you're going to do all this, like next year, a quarterback makes a lot of sense in the draft. Um, but you also have Stetson mm. Bennett. And it's like, where's the inflection point on maybe we get more draft picks by moving Matthew Stafford to a team that lost their quarterback Ooh. in August or before the trade deadline and find out what you have in Stetson Bennett because how, I, I, I kind of like what they're doing. And it's like they at least think differently. If, if they want to pivot, like I trust them to go try a new avenue and they'll be interesting to watch just because of this or they'll be terrible, but we understand <laughs> what they're doing. But why not find out what you have in Stetson Bennett? I just I, It feels depressing to have Matthew Stafford um, with them for 17 games um, if they're going to win four of them. Yeah, and, and that goes and that goes for Cooper Cup, right? It goes for AD as well. Like, why are, why are we watching these guys in this city, in this stadium, uh, not necessarily run out a team mm. that can compete? I think uh, they think they can compete on offense. I think they think they can be a top 10 offense. The, on paper, the offense looks okay. They Defense feel like, to me, like a team without a, a country. Like, they have too many high-priced vets to fully rebuild and not enough young talent to develop. And it kind of puts them in this weird twilight zone. And that's why they're a really hard team to kind of peg right now. Because you're right, McVay did come back. And, and they have uh, Cooper Cup back. And Matthew Stafford is healthy. Just that, with decent line play, I think they'll find a way to score points. But you still need a lot of things to work out for even that to happen. Weird. Eight. Very weird. Seven. Super weird. We got Cam Akers back. We got uh, Bobby Skwarnik. Whose house, Greg? Whose house? Timeout. I'm going to use our third timeout. Because I just, it was very compelling. Claybon dropping that little Kyler Murray, Caleb Williams nug at the end of that convo. And now I'm thinking about it. And it, I got to be honest, it kind of preoccupied my thoughts a little bit during the Rams talk because they don't give me much juice. Um, it almost gives you more reason to think the, the cards keep him in bubble wrap, don't risk anything, and then you could shop him in the offseason like, hey, he's fully recovered from this knee. You saw what he was like when he was healthy. They go get Caleb Williams, and it's more reason to keep Kyler on the bench. Now, will Kyler 
if that ever happened, would Kyler start speaking out in the media? They've had a rocky relationship at times. Uh, it does feel like potentially, uh, Patrick, a grenade uh, that the pin's been pulled and it's just sitting there and people are waiting to see if mm. it will explode. Well, with all the turmoil at the top, what if the Kyler free season isn't necessarily an evaluation of the future with Kyler? It's an evaluation of Jonathan Gannon in one year to oh, see no. what with all this chaos going on, because chaos is, is something that he inherited uh, with this franchise. They've been through a lot uh, considering the decisions at the top and the people who have been making those decisions. And so you give Jonathan Gannon a year to see whether it's Kyler, whether it's Caleb Williams, whether it's you know uh, the, the kid out of UNC, whoever it is. Like, is this the structure that we have on this team uh, that we want to have in the future? And I, I think the value's there regardless because the Arizona Cardinals won't be the only team that's interested. Like, everybody that was picked in all the free agent moves, like, there's going to be some team that's disappointed with their quarterback situation and is going to want the kid uh, out of L.A., you know? So yeah, but the best way to have the money they can just they can just have the pick if they have the worst record. <laughs> yeah, but, like, you know what? Like, and we brought – we actually discussed this on – we were loopy, but in our – um round one draft night coverage, uh, this scenario, because I think you have to look at Kyler Murray as someone that was brought there primarily as a Cliff Kingsbury guy. Um, new regime. Now, the one, this, these things maybe don't matter, but like the entire front office and like coaching staff went to Kyler Murray's statue unveiling, and Kyler Murray sort of said he was surprised in a good way to see how much overt support they were giving him. That, that doesn't mean anything to me a year from now, though. Um, and I think they're in a great position because I think Kyler Murray would be very tradable, um, to your point, to a number of teams. And like, if you want a fresh start, because like, it's like, I think Kyler Murray has these traits that are like unmatchable, but the overall Kyler Murray experience is very um, replaceable. If you get someone else, you just believe in more. I don't think there's anything about Kyler Murray where it's like, there's no way we can move on from this guy. It's like, yes, you can. Well, Nathaniel Hackett is back in the NFL. Cliff Kingsbury is not. Mm. Fi financially, to, to where is Kingsbury? Didn't he take an assistant job somewhere? He, is. he did. He's, he's a, a quarterback cor coach of USC. But he's, he's not a, in the Yeah, NFL. consultant quarterback coach. Yep. That's a nice way to keep keep that paycheck coming. Uh, speaking of, um, you know, you were your mind was drifting with the Rams. Mm. Dan, can I intrigue you? Can I uh, interest you in a little nugget as, as the owner of Kicker enough, Corner, as yeah. uh, the, a man who likes to go to the Kicker Club? Their yeah, entire special teams unit right now, which didn't exist before the draft is complete with only seventh, a seventh round pick and undrafted free agents, their punter, their kicker, their long snapper. I don't know if their holder is, but it, so that I don't know if that's disrespectful to the kicker club, but that's the entire special teams right now is seventh rounders and uh, undrafted free agents. <laughs> Smells like trouble, Greggy. <laughs> Smells like trouble. Time in. Seattle Seahawks, Mark. All right. The NFC has waved farewell to Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. The Bucks and Packers are just sort of wait and see entities. The Rams and Cardinals, we just talked about. They are both t overtly tanking before our eyes. The Niners are trustworthy, <laughs> but gambling on Brock Purdy. <laughs> well, I mean, they're not going, they're not a Super Bowl team this year. Yeah. But the Niners, like, let's see, like, I love the Brock Purdy thing, but they are hoping that Brock Purdy is last year's Brock Purdy or Trey Lance is actually something at all. And so outside of Greg, all of America slept on the Seahawks a year ago. And I wonder if we are still asleep 
because they have the best wideout group in the conference. You've got a nasty runner in Kenneth Walker to now pair with Zach Charbonnet. You've got a star in Tariq Woolen across from first-round cornerback in Devin Witherspoon. You've got Pete Carroll strutting up and down the boulevard like a 35-year-old. Why are they not talked about as a team with a legitimate Super Bowl window in a terrible NFC? Daddy likes it. <laughs> Strutting. Uh, I don't think you're crazy. They, I, they might be my third favorite. I don't think it, it almost worries me because I think there's a pretty decent case you could make of them as like the third best team in the NFC. Me personally, just looking at their roster, whether whether it's the Cowboys or the 49ers are third or fourth, like in that mix, the Seahawks are right there. I think it's a great roster. Can I ask you a question, Greggy? Lions v. Seahawks NFC title game. Who you got? Hmm. Well, my heart would still be with uh, Gino. Uh, Honestly, couldn't lose in another that strike against the uh, running back, the uh, team of ATN. But go. Ahead. I, I, I think my concern, Mark, is is at the edge. Um, I, I know they they love Witherspoon. I think it's a great value. They they get up there, um, but but you have to wonder what the situation was like uh, when the Arizona Cardinals make that trade with the Texans, because because I know the Seahawks were entertaining ideas of Will Anderson. Uh, being there. And, well, I think they were that. taking Richardson based on what Pete Carroll said. If Richardson got to them, it would have just changed their lives. He basically said they were taking Richardson, which is crazy. <laughs> and and also wild, considering that this is a team that, as Mark pointed out, can contend this year. And mm-hmm. the fact that they would be thinking about that is wild to me because there's still a glaring need at the edge. Like if things go wrong or for Seattle, I really think they need to be able to rush the passer, considering they're, they're going to be able to score with anybody. Like why wouldn't you? So, yeah, my, my, I guess my the only water I would throw on it is – are we now rolling forward with Gino is, you know, a top five passer in his conference? I know he's got great skill. I love what they did with the draft. Um, he did come down to earth down the stretch last season. Like, do we get which version of Gino do we get? Is he consistent uh, for another season? And if, if he is, yeah, they can hang with anybody in the NFC. If he's Kirk Cousins ish in terms of his just year to year consistency, I think they're a contender. And that seems reasonable. Doesn't it feel Could like there's regress? 11 quarterbacks so. in the NFC that were like, which version of this quarterback do we get this year? Yeah. yeah Dude, their secondary is so good, though. Legion of Boom. Last team. The team everybody's chasing in the NFC West, the San Francisco 49ers. And I, uh, how's it all going to play out? Because this is the, to me, it's the Eagles conference right now with San Francisco, the clear Number two and a very real, I think they could have beaten the Eagles in the NFC title game with better injury luck. It didn't work out that way, uh, but they will enter the season um, with questions. And the hope is that Brock Purdy's ready. Um, I'm curious how this summer is going to play out. How does uh, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch deploy the um, Trey Lance, Sam Darnold side of things? Does Is Trey Lance the favorite there to start if Purdy's not ready? Um, if he's, if he does get a chance to play and plays well early on, does he have a chance to keep the job? Um, just in general, even Purdy's great six week run, you can't lock him in as a guy that you could trust a hundred percent Lance. Obviously we don't know anything. Darnold, we know what Darnold's given in his career. So lack of trust to QB obviously is one of the worst things to have entering a season. And I feel like they're there and Purdy mostly cause the elbow I want to say, but also not a ton of experience himself. If you look at like, um, I was trying to look up a list of like late rounds, and I mean like sixth, seventh round or undrafted players who 
um, really succeeded. And there is a list. It's like the Tom Brady. It's Mark Bulger, Mark Burnell, Rich Gannon, um, undrafted guys. Like you got, you know, Jeff Garcia, Tony Roma, Warren Moon. But half of those guys are from like decades ago. It just doesn't happen that often. And I think that Brock Purdy is an outlier potentially. Um, but I mean, it was a small sample size. And I think it's a real like what if because they're going to catch up to him. Um, he's going to, you know, he is who he is. And it's just like, I think it's a fascinating thing, but a, a potential like TNT bomb you're standing on because mm. Trey Lance is also full of question marks. And suddenly if you're in a world where like, you're hoping that Sam Darnold is your starter for a seven game stretch. Um, there's only so much that superpower, the superpowers of Kyle Shanahan T can do at quarterback. Yeah. And one of those uh, powers that is availability these past few years has been a defense that has been incredible. Um, and so you've got one departure of a defensive coordinator. They're able to maintain that success. It happens again. Of course, he's always losing offensive assistance. I, I, don't, I don't think that's a, a huge concern this time around. But at some point, it, it's it's going to reveal its head. And can mm. this addition of the 49ers defense be enough to allow uh, Trey Lance, Brock Purdy coming off of injury, e even Sam Darnold, to have those stretches where they don't play well and they're still putting wins up on the board and – it's it's always at some point it's going to happen. Why not 2023? It's like the same thing every year, though. I feel like I'm not worried about quarterback on paper. I, it's once again, their their cornerbacks look gross like Lenore and Isaiah Oliver's. There's cornerback two and three like their offensive line is underwhelming. And yet they always in the end, like it always these are the same questions every year and they always figure it out. So I, I'm sick of doubting. Sick of doubting. Doubting the 49ers has been bad business for me. So. What was that uh, Modern yeah. Family guy? <laughs> Facts. He didn't lie. Good stuff. We just went around the NFC in exactly 48 minutes. You could check out the... Hmm, see, the, the compendium uh, bombshells has me questioning everything now as well. The addendum... Uh, to this exercise was the around the AFC uh, with Colleen Wolf. So check out that as well. And um, that is it for the content we are giving to you for the week. Ask for no more because you will get no more. Yeah, I don't think that's how you use addendum either. I think addendum is like something you add to the end of something to sort of like clarify right. it. Tack, it's a little tack on. Perhaps? Companion, companion, yeah, companion. or like a, a brother sister edition of the show. I don't know which conference is this is That's the brother true. or the sister. Clavon and Clavon being the brother and and Colleen being the sister. Or we could also, <laughs> um, we could also Mark um, have you decide who's the brother and sister, and then no matter what your answer is, you get like struck from the league and any coverage of the sport. Go yeah, ahead. Who's sort brother, of midway who's through that sentence. I don't know why where I was going with that, but. All right. Well, good stuff. Anybody else have anything to add? Good. No. We used all our timeouts. Yeah. Los Angeles right. welcomes you back, Dan. Oh, I can't wait. Thank you, Patrick. How about have, have a happy, happy anniversary to the beautiful Emika? Oh. This is like putting it on Instagram when when she doesn't check Instagram because she has never once listened to this podcast. <laughs> how about how about this, Patrick and and Mark? Um, it's been a while since we got the invite to Greg's house, about a decade now. He's got a new house. <laughs> he just hit a, a major uh, benchmark anniversary with his lovely wife. Uh, we are in this partnership uh, together uh, that has really become a major like kind of aspect of our existences. 
maybe maybe there's an invite coming. Maybe we get back. And if we're not invited, like Greg, how would Emika respond to the three of us showing up as a like a modern day sort of singing telegram to give our well wishes to her specifically and marrying you <laughs> yeah. and how the marriage Off is going. Offspring and toe as well. Yeah, mm. the whole the whole squads. Depends what you're wearing. Ba 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 ba. I think she'd like it. We, we can make that happen, here you know. To wish you ba 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 ba. We we dress the kids up. <laughs> They've got little bow ties on. It'll be I, really cute. I want to get my hands this on, and the plans are to fix up uh, this garage a little bit this summer, and then maybe when that's done, I feel like that's the time we can. I told do you, this. you want to put down some rug in there. I'll go to the depot with you, and we'll pick up. We some are. Materials. We're gonna put a little rug. That's that's the plan. But there is there some water go. leaking into it, so that's uh, that's a problem. Uh oh. Hey, you still got a landlord, though. You just call him up. Have him fix that. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's it. Till uh, next week. We'll be back with two more shows. A lot of fun. A lot of excitement. Hope you all have a great weekend. Till we meet again. Heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.